Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.ae. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Good morning, everyone. Don't mind me, I've got a few bits and pieces here today. I bought a drink because I woke up this morning and I sounded like a 13-year-old boy. So excuse that. I've also got some chocolate because I thought, what better way to start today's service A than chocolate, but um, with a Bible quiz. Oh. You ready? Got three questions and three blocks of chocolate. If this isn't enough incentive. All right, first question. This is an easy one, particularly for this service, I reckon. What two trees does the Bible mention? Uh, We're in the middle of the Garden of Eden. Tree of knowledge? Yes. Over the far corner, well done. They get increasingly harder, so don't get too comfortable. How long did Elijah pray for it not to rain? Multiple choice. A, seven days. B, three and a half years. C, seven years. Or did he just sing, rain, rain, go away? (laughs) Jeff Barlow over this side. Well done, Jeff. All right, here we go. Strap in. According to the book of Isaiah, how many wings did each seraphim have that Isaiah saw flying above the Lord who was seated on the throne in the temple? Oh, gosh. You're going to have to share this. Well done. Before the, the, answer, the, the options were even there. Didn't even choose number D. All I can think about now is chicken wings. Six, straight up. Well done, everyone. (laughs) Hey, so today we're going to unpack what it looks like to understand Scripture. See, maybe we know it, but do we understand it? I remember when I first became a Christian, I remember being overwhelmed by the Bible and not overwhelmed like, wow, God is great, which I, I was, but more like, how am I ever going to understand all this? And I'm the kind of guy that needs to know the details and the why. And I remember thinking, this is in like old school language. It doesn't make sense to me. And it has parts where it, let's be honest, it can be a bit monotonous and boring when it goes through maybe the genealogy of, of, you know, one person to the next. Full of names I can't pronounce. And they do some pretty crazy stuff. So how will I ever be a good enough Christian, whatever that looks like, to know my Bible well, and to pray, because that's, that's what you do to be a good Christian, right? Read your Bible and pray. Well, there's a bit more to it than that. But see, I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't go to youth. So I didn't even have the basis of, you know, the kids' stories that maybe some of us have learnt in Sunday school. Thankfully, I've noticed, Sunday school stories are watered down a bit. <laughs> Thankfully, for our children. Think of Samson, for example. Samson. 
So I had no idea where to start. And as I said, I'm the kind of person that needs to know. Not, 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 I need to understand, not just know. And so we know there's this vast difference, right? So here's an example, up on the screen. You may recognise a written language. You may know what it is. You might be able to identify maybe Chinese up there, there's French, there's German. But do you know it or do you understand it? Most of us probably know it by recognition. We probably, maybe some of us do, maybe we don't understand it. See, the moment information is given, an individual, an individual will know. But for the brain to understand, it must be presented with that same information, that same knowledge, constantly. The more information that, that our brain receives about a particular subject, the better we will understand. And who knows, if you don't use information, it kind of just drops out somewhere. James was onto it when he wrote this. Do not merely listen to the word or, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever, intently, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. One of our core values at York Street is that we are anchored in Scripture and led by the Spirit. So today I hope we can take some steps forward in trying to understand the narrative of Scripture, to drop that anchor so that we have that as our, as our central point in life. See, what's amazing is when we actually begin to interact with the Bible and not just read it, not letting our eyes just run over the lines, not just picking out a small bit that, that maybe we want to apply to our life right now, but when we actually read it, when we actually think about it, when we meditate on it. See, meditate actually means to chew on something to get all the nourishment out. Wow. When we meditate on Scripture we can start to identify how God uses his word to convey to us his character, his creativity, and his everlasting goodness. Now, who in the room has a physical Bible with them today? Yes. Who has a physical Bible at home and didn't bring it today? Yeah. Who uses the Bible on their phone or online or some other device? See, that the Bible's super accessible in our Western world. There's so many different formats. You can, you can read it. You can probably watch it on the internet, though be careful where you go and what you're looking at. But there's something about having a physical Bible. If you've got one, why don't you bring it to church? Because maybe from next week, I'm going to not put it up on the, on the wall. What will happen then? Well, we'll see. I'm not going to make your hand, put your hand up if you don't have a Bible. And I'm I'm not trying to shame anyone or make anyone feel awkward, but if you don't have a Bible of your own, come and see us after the service. You need one. Because it makes it almost impossible to get to know it, let alone understand it, if you don't have it available. Now, this is a one-time only offer for this service only. Don't tell your friends. 
if you need help to put the Bible app on your phone, I will help you. (laughs) Don't tell your friends. So this message is called From Old to New. So we're going to sit here today and we're going to open our Bibles and we're going to start at Genesis in the Old Testament and go all the way through to Revelation at the end. So get yourself comfortable. I'm a slow reader. No, no, no. See, we're looking at the big picture today. Let me give you a very basic overview and let me also put the disclaimer out there that you know, it, this is very loose, very loose definition. But this is probably familiar to some of you. Our, our modern Protestant Bible is made up of 66 books, right? Divided into two main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we see, looking at my study Bible, the Old Testament takes up two-thirds and the New Testament takes up the final third. See... The Old Testament is the story of God and his chosen people in Israel. Then, New Testament, Jesus and the establishment of the early church. That's the divide. Super oversimplified, I know. We tend to point Christians to the New Testament, where the the good news of Jesus is. Absolutely, yes, yes. But sometimes we downplay the Old Testament. Because, oh, that's where all the boring stuff is. That's where all the, like, the, the old stuff is that maybe isn't relevant anymore. I don't agree with that. We're quick to say that the Old Testament's full of Jewish traditions and laws and that the nation of Israel couldn't get it right and it doesn't apply anymore. So it's kind of less important. But it doesn't take long to realise that without the Old Testament, the New Testament doesn't make as much sense. We see holes. We see gaps in our understanding. Our understanding of the gospel. Our understanding of the person and work of Jesus. And our understanding of God's incredible redemptive plan for humanity. Paul says in his second letter to Timothy, all scripture is, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this was at a time when the New Testament wasn't even a thing yet. In its current form, it wasn't a thing. It was still being played out. It was still being written. So during this time, the scripture they were referring to was the Jewish Bible, the Tanakh. It wasn't called old then. See, I don't think we do it any favours by calling it the Old Testament. See, the the New Testament's old as well. Let's be honest. And after all, old is a state of mind, isn't it? And we're only as old as we feel, right? But the thing is, this is a bit of a tangent, old things weren't always old. They were new at some point. Old things have value and purpose, yeah? Often increasing so, over time. And old things shape how we see new things. The same can probably said, be said for people. Old people weren't always old. True? Old people have value and purpose. 
I don't want to hear, oh, I'm too old. You have value and purpose, often increasing over time. Old people shape how we see new things. Anyway, that's probably a sermon for another time. Come back another day and we'll, we'll unpack that. So the books of the Bible are written to different people, two different people by different people. Don't fall into the trap of thinking it's chronological. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't open the first page of Genesis and read through to Revelation and expect it to be in order and make sense without more context. This diagram behind me shows us the order in which the books of the Bible appear in our modern Protestant Bible. The next two diagrams shows us what it might look like if we tried to put it in chronological order. Things are all over the place. Things are being written at the same time by different people. Trying to put it in order is hectic. What this diagram doesn't tell me is that the time and the history, what's happening at the time in the world, gives me no context. And we see that throughout the narrative of Scripture, it's kind of like that dance, and maybe you know what it's called, I don't, but it's like slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. Anyone? Foxtrot? Yeah, yeah. So it's like slow, slow, and then speeds up real quick, and then goes slow again. And it zooms in on specific things, and then zooms out again. Like it's on, like getting big picture and really specific, all in a matter of a few chapters. See, it's all about the context. To help gain the context, sometimes we need other resources too. I've got this in the front of my Bible. It's like, helps me work out the time, time uh, stamp on, on all the, the books of the Bible. I find it really helpful. Again, pictures, maps. This isn't sponsored, by the way, but I'm open to discussion. <laughs> See, we need to be aware that there's multiple layers to this. Right? It's more than just being able to recite every scripture in here, which is super impressive. Right? Have you ever seen Frank at Christmas time? Super impressive. But it's understanding it that's important. So I want to look at these layers today. There are a few things that at play when we read God's word. There's the lower stories. You can open up your Bible at any point and you can hear the narrative of, of people in a particular place at a particular time. Who's writing it? Who's it written to? When was it written? Why was it written? And what other things are happening at the time? You can probably try and work that out. If you have a study Bible, it might even tell you at the start. Each and every book and each and every passage in the Bible has something to teach us. God can use his word to reveal his character and his plan to us through every word in this book. And remember, it's all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, etc. The books of the Bible were compiled by his chosen people over thousands and thousands of years. But we need to be careful not to shrink it, shrink the power and the authority of Scripture into our modern-day worldview. See, whilst the Bible is written for us, it's not written to us. Let me say that again. Whilst the Bible is written for us, it's not written to us. 
Each book in the Bible has an author chosen by God, particularly the Old Testament. It's often written to the nation of Israel. Many parts of the New Testament, the early churches. See, we need to separate this, this meaning, what, what they're trying to convey at the time, versus the significance to us now. Context and time is everything when we approach the scriptures. I came across this quote. All scripture is profitable, but not every passage is for our participation or obedience. Hmm. Dwell on that for a bit. We often see throughout the biblical narratives that God's people wander away from his plan. Hence that wavy line you saw before of the, the lower stories. See, things get off track and God intervenes. He raises someone up to try and direct people back towards him. Then they stray again. And it happens again and again, rinse and repeat. Which brings us to the need for God's upper story. To understand this, we need to go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 1. If I had to summarise the upper story in one sentence, it would be this. God's upper story is God's relentless pursuit of his creation. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And regardless of, of your theology around the creation narrative, God's creation expresses his creativity, his character, and his goodness. He made the earth and everything on it, including people, saving the most treasure to last. He gave them the opportunity to trust in God's definition of good and evil or attempt to define it for themselves. And we know how that went. Not well. So there's this separation. There's this separation between God, the creator, and humanity. And every part of the Bible... Every single book, every single word is about God pursuing his people. Drawing them back to himself in both the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The wavy line of the lower stories and the, the constant line of God's upper story. God's relentless pursuit of his creation. So when we approach, approach scripture, when we take a section or a book, we read it and we get to know it, but when we try to understand it, we need to try and marry up these two, two things. The, the lower story that we're reading, which might help us know, and we need to marry it up with God's upper story to help us understand. The lower stories tend to have the facts, the people, the context of the situation. Our understanding comes from applying the lower story to God's upper story. This is where the final layer that I want to talk to you about fits in. See, what I've learned is God's word is, is like a plumb line. It's the dividing line between how we understand who God is and who we are as his creation. It becomes the dividing line, the, the, the grid through which we see the world which is exactly the way 
God sees the world. It's the testing strip to gauge whether my thoughts, my feelings, my actions have anything godly about them at all. See, we're merely humans. We don't always get it right. Scripture shows us that through its history. The final layer to understanding is us. Where do we fit in this biblical narrative? See, the lowest stories stop at Revelation in my Bible. But does that mean God's done? He's finished? No. Does it mean it's the end? No, thank goodness. See, the lower stories come to a close in our Bible, but the upper story continues. God's relentless pursuit of his creation continues, has been continuing since, and is continuing now, hasn't stopped yet. So where do you fit into God's relentless pursuit of his creation? He's pursuing you. Even when you feel like things are rough, things are messy, when you feel like you're more distant from him than you would like to be. He's pursuing you because you are his creation. He knew you and where you fit into this story before you did, all the way back at the beginning. And then he sent his son, Jesus, for that precise purpose, to restore that broken relationship. He knew you wouldn't measure up and he knew you would fail but he loved you anyway. He invites you to be a part of his upper story because you bring something to the story that no one else can. You're unique and created by him for a specific purpose. It's all a part of his story. So we've gone from knowing in the lower part of the story and attempting to understand in God's upper story But by adding ourselves to this equation, maybe we're able to start to apply the scriptures to our lives, to our interactions with others, to our personal ministry. You are a part of God's story. Won't you come on the journey of trying to understand and apply the biblical narrative? See, we don't open a dictionary and read it from start to finish. The Bible's no different. We want to move from from knowledge to understanding to application. And remember the passage in James, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror after looking at himself or herself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So I want to encourage you, whatever way you interact with Scripture, if you use a daily devotional, if you read whole books at a time, however you approach Scripture, I want you to ask yourselves these things. Am I trying to know or understand the Bible? Where does this section of scripture fit in God's upper story? How does this fit into God's relentless pursuit for his creation? And where does that place me in God's 
story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible privilege it is to have your word so accessible to us. Thank you that you use your word to show us your character, your creativity, and your overflowing goodness. Thank you that you show us your nature, that you reveal to us your purposes for our lives. Father God, thank you that you pursue us, even when we don't have things right, that you love us enough to pursue us, and you won't give up on doing that. You've done it this long, and you won't stop now. Father, we pray for those who don't have access to your word. We think of those that don't don't have access to your word in their language or that there are you know, actual barriers in the way. We know that your pursuit doesn't stop and we pray that you will make a way that every person on this earth, your creation, would have access to the incredible word that we see in scripture. Be with us as we explore scripture and attempt to understand it better. As we attempt to understand you better, Father God. And may we use your word to apply to our personal stories each and every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.